right, let's um Okay. All right, let's get into our teaching for today. I'm going to pray and then we're going to get started. Father, we thank you right now for what you are about to do. Father, we give you permission, Father, to move by your spirit, oh Father, in spite of us. We thank you right now in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Welcome to Divine Generation Church. Hallelujah. Glory. Uh, we're going to get into our teaching on today. We started a new series last week, and the title of the series is The Works of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's the works of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when it comes to Divine Generation Church, the Father is raising us differently. He's raising us differently. There's no need to start a new work if you're just going to do what everybody else does. <laughs> All right. Uh, the father, every now and then what he does is and you can see it through scripture. You can see where he put he placed Adam on earth. And then after the fall, you can see um, he moved on from from Adam to Noah. And then he moved on from Noah to Abraham. Then he moved on from Abraham to uh, uh, Isaac to Jacob, then he moved from, from Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, to the move of Moses. So the father is always moving. Then he moved to the kings. Then he moved to judges. So the father is always trying to do a complete work. And in each situation, he advanced them. We are not the Moses generation. We are the Joshua generation. Okay? We are not the Moses generation. We are not those coming out of Egypt. We've been out of Egypt for a while. All right. We're in the promised land. The promise has been given to us already. We're in the promised land. Now it's time to see how do we see the land? Are they giants or are they grasshoppers? Are they giants and we grasshoppers or are they grasshoppers and we are the giants? So now it's time for us to build ourselves. And like I said, typically when you go to a church um, and this is not trying to be offensive by any means, you learn more about Jesus Christ. You learn about the cross. They might say something about the Father. And then you get a heavy dose of the Holy Spirit. That's not how he designed us to do it. And it's different. And that's why it takes time for people to catch on because they're used to what they hear. And a pastor told me before, he said that people can be wrong, can be sincerely wrong. Okay, we miss it all the time. We don't get everything correct. But in this ministry, he started us off learning about the Father. Okay, the mantle over this ministry is we reveal the truest intentions of God as a Father. So we learn the Father first. Why? Because this is his plan. This was not Jesus' plan. This was not Christ's plan. This was not the Holy Spirit's plan. This was the Father's plan. So we have to learn the Father first. Then we learn the Son. But we don't just learn about Jesus and the cross. We learn about Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ. We learn about the God's Son is spirit. Why? Because God is spirit. John 4.24 says God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if God is a spirit, then his children are spirits. His children are not flesh. How do we know? Because the Bible says that flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
So Christ was his son. Jesus was Mary's son. How do we know? Jesus died. You can't kill Christ. <laughs> you can't kill a son of God. We live forever. That's why us accepting this assignment, we have eternal life. Our flesh will decay. It will die. But the spirit will live forever. And so last week we talked about the Godhead and the distribution of all things, because if we're going to understand the Godhead, we have to understand it from a standpoint of how do we receive from heaven? How do we receive from the Father? There's no point of me talking about, okay, the Father is, the Holy Spirit is condensation and, and Jesus is ice and the Father is water, however they say it. And, and after we say all that, there's nothing we can do with that. Okay, after we say God is condensation, Jesus is ice, and the Holy Spirit is water. Okay, now what? What are we going to do with that? We need to understand how can we extract all the things that he has from us from that Godhead. And we understand that this is the Father's plan. The Father sent the Son. The Father sent the Son. Then after the son ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit. Why? He had a plan. But everything that we see, we have to see it through the eyes of the father. Why? Because he's the creator. He created all things. He predestined us. He purposed us. Then he sent his son, the Bible says, in flesh. <laughs> he sent his son born of a woman. In Hebrews 10 and 5, Jesus literally said, you, don't, you do not want the sacrifices of bulls and goats, so you prepared a body for me. Unto us a child is born, but a son is given. Mary gave birth to the child. The father sent the son. And so we have to understand how to receive all things. And so when we talk about the works of the Holy Spirit, we have to understand the Holy Spirit portion of that. The father created all things, but he created all things through the son. It is through the son we receive all things and all things are held together. But the Holy Spirit reveals all things and distributes all things and works all things in us. The Holy Spirit Mm. The Holy Spirit reveals the Father, the Holy Spirit reveals the Son, and the Holy Spirit reveals the kingdom. How do I, why didn't I say the Holy Spirit reveals the Holy Spirit? Because the Bible said that the Holy Spirit would not speak of himself. The Holy Spirit is here to reveal the Father. Anytime you are in his presence and you feel the presence of the Spirit, he's there to reveal something. The less you know, the more I, I behoove you to stay in his presence. Because in the presence, he's revealing. He's revealing. So the work of the Holy Spirit and the distribution of all things is to reveal to us the Father, his heart, how much he loves us, his glory, why he sent his son. He sent his son, and the Bible said he sent him as a propitiation. He was an acceptable sacrifice to get, bring us back into the family. He sent them as a ransom. I'm going to send my son. He's going to die. And because he died, I get you. 
That's his heart towards us. We have to know that the Holy Spirit is always trying to reveal that. Then when it comes to the son, the Bible says that he's a joint. We are joint heirs with him. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would take everything that is mine and disclose it to you. Why? Because you are equal with him. So on today, the title of our teaching is The Goal is Baptism. The Goal is Baptism. The, the Goal is Baptism. Baptism of the Spirit. That is the goal. The goal is not to catch the Holy Spirit. The goal is not to feel the Holy Spirit. The goal is baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not just for the Spirit to come upon us, it's for us to live in that place. That's why I told you the Holy Spirit is more than just a spirit. I know we dwindled it down to just that, to a spirit that makes us feel and may let us know some stuff. But the Holy Spirit is an entire realm. I'm going to prove it to you. It's an entire realm that we can live in. It's the realm full of presence and angels. That's why the moment that we, we got the praise and, and worship and you felt presence. And the truth be told is the presence is always here. The presence is everywhere you go. The Father is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all time equally. The thing is, are you tapping into the frequency? So we're right here on earth and we can either be in the realm of the spirit or put it like we can either be in the kingdom of God or we can be in the kingdom of darkness. It is our choice. The Holy Spirit doesn't just make us do anything. The Holy Spirit is activated by your will. Right now, you can say, Holy Spirit, come, and the Spirit will rest on you according to your heart and your desire. You never have to leave his presence. <laughs> you never have to leave the presence of the Holy Spirit. You can live there. That's a matter of fact. That's the, the purpose for the Father sending so we can live there. That's why the title of the teaching is The Goal is Baptism. That's the goal. And I know I say this often, but I will not be before you long. Our first scripture is coming from the book of Acts. Actually, all of our scriptures are coming from the book of Acts. <laughs> and it reads, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus. Now, Luke wrote this, and this is kind of a dissertation of the works of Jesus. It says, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. God. So after he resurrected from the grave, he sat with his apostles that he had chosen. And through the instructions of the Holy Spirit, he taught them about the kingdom. 
because the Holy Spirit reveals the kingdom. He taught them about the Holy Spirit for 40 days. He was teaching them about the assignment on earth through another realm. Anytime you're doing spirit-filled teaching is because you are operating from another realm. The stuff that we're teaching here is not from this realm. We're not teaching you how to live in this realm. We're teaching you how to live on earth under God's umbrella, under our Father's umbrella. We're trying to teach you how to live in earth as if you are in heaven. That's the prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Holy Spirit, come, synonymous. <laughs> when the Spirit comes, the kingdom comes. When the kingdom comes, the Spirit comes. You can't separate them. So in order to teach about the kingdom, you have to teach it from that realm. Verse 4 says, while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. Whose promise? The Father's promise. Not his promise. It wasn't his promise. It wasn't the Holy Spirit promise. It wasn't the Apostles' promise. The Father, it was the Father's promise. He said, which he said, you have heard me speak about. Verse 5. This is where we extract the content. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Now, let me read that again. He said, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Now, the goal is what? It's baptism. The goal is baptism. The goal is not to feel the Holy Spirit. It's to be baptized in it. John baptized with water. He dipped them. He immersed them for a second. He dipped them in water, then he pulled them out. He did that unto repentance. But Jesus, he said, which he is not worthy to even tie his shoes, he said. He said he's going to baptize with presence. He's going to baptize with spirit in a few days. So he commanded them, he said, wait for the promise. What is the promise? Not just the Holy Spirit, y'all work with me. <laughs> the baptism, the promise was to be baptized. The promise was to be baptized in the Spirit. Now, look at the question they asked him in verse 6. After he told them he's going to baptize them in the Spirit. Now, John baptized with water. He dipped them. But he said, I want to baptize you with the Spirit. Now, this is two different baptisms. One is dipping. The other is a submerging. One is to dip. The other is to submerge you. Not to submerge you and then pull you out. <laughs> the baptism was into another realm. 
It was into another world. He, this baptism was to keep us in Christ. This baptism was the equivalent of us being in his household while we were here on earth. That's why in verse six, he said, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? Why would they ask about the kingdom after he talks about baptizing the spirit? Because they associated it with <laughs> Verse seven, he said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the father has set by his own authority. So he said, I don't even know. Verse eight, he says, but you will receive power, say power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you or upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So now he promised that he would baptize them in the spirit. Verse eight, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be witnesses. So the Holy Spirit is going to come upon us. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, you will receive power. Say power. power. Now, power is the ability to influence, control and change circumstances. Power is the ability to influence, to control and change circumstances. How do you know if you have power? If you can influence control or change when it comes to your mind. If you can't change your mind, then you have no power over your mind. If you can't redirect your thinking from from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of heaven, then you have no power over your mind because power is the ability to influence, to control and to change. If I can't change my heart towards a situation, this is why the Bible tells us to forgive. And he doesn't make us do it. He wants to see how much power you have. How long does it take you to forgive? But he said you will receive power. So once the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we have the power to do everything that he said we could do. But there's an issue here, okay? He said that, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses. Now, a witness is one whose life shows evidence. So when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're receiving the Holy Spirit so you can have power, so you can have ability to influence, change situations and circumstances in your life. And after the power has taken place, you're going to be a witness. A witness is one whose life shows evidence. In our case, the evidence is of the father, the son and the kingdom. And the scripture says this happens when the spirit comes upon you, not in you. It didn't say the spirit will come in you. <laughs> And you will receive power. He said upon you. The reason why it comes upon you is because it's activated by your will. Amen. 
It can't come in unless you want it to. It can't come in unless you invite it. It can't come in unless you spend time communing in that presence. The more you spend time in that presence, it comes in you. And that's where the power comes, because the Bible says that he can do exceeding abundantly above all which we ask or think. But it's according to the power that is worked in us. It's not according to what came upon you. It's according to the power that is working within you. And we'll talk about that more next week. So how do we get from baptism to the spirit coming upon us? That's two totally different concepts. One is a submerging of presence. The other is it's resting on you. Well, let's look. Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, that's important because we can be all in one place and not be together. Now, the, the scriptures will teach you how to get presence. This is why we worship. We worship because if we're all in one place, the worship brings us together. We're playing one song. Everybody is focused and we're together. We can be all in one place and everybody mind everywhere. <laughs> then it says, because this, watch this, because of them, their obedience to be there. Now what's crazy is, let me stop for take a little break, commercial break. Kena reminded me that um, the two times in this ministry that I have taught about the Holy Spirit, they have both fallen on the day of Pentecost. That was not planned. It's a sign. I didn't try to do it. It says when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And because they were all together in one place and they received the commandment from Jesus, don't leave Jerusalem. So they obedience and they weren't just obedient to, to being in one place. They were there together. This is what unity does. This is why Satan wants to constantly cause confusion. The father wants unity. He wants disunity. <laughs> Verse two says, suddenly a sound like a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Now, why did it rest? Why is this important? Because in Acts chapter 10, it said the spirit fell on everybody who heard. So it could have been 120 people in this room and only 110 got it. Because it only happens according to your will. It's only activated by your desire. That's why before prayer meetings, before church, Satan tries to disrupt your thinking because he does not want us to be on one accord. <laughs> he, he wants to make you late. He wants to have you rushing. He wants to do everything he can so that when you get in the house, your mind is on everything else. Did I cut the stove off? Did I remember to pay that bill? We, we full-fledged in worship. Presence is here. And you're thinking about an argument you got in two weeks ago. 
which means the presence could be in the room, falling in a room, and you miss it. And then you'll blame us. Okay, stop, McKinley. <laughs> ain't no spirit there. No, ain't no spirit around you. Verse 4, then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, what is the goal? Baptism. The goal is baptism. Now, in verse 2, it says suddenly a sound like a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. Now, this is my example. All right. Pickles. That's what he wants you. He wants you pickled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? He wants you pickled <laughs> with Christ. All right? Now, the scripture says there's suddenly a sound that is that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house. So right now, the spirit can come in here and it can fill the whole space. Then you have in verse four, it says, and they were all filled. So the house was filled and then they were filled. The house was filled and then they were filled. This is two different words. That's why you have to study. Typically, in America, field is field, right? Field is field. If it's field, it's field. There's no other way to look at this thing. But in, in the Greek, their words, their, their, words, their words and their vocabularies are different. And if this was spoken in Greek, it would have said, and it pleru the whole house. But then when it got to the, one, the verse 4, it would say, and they were pimplame. Now, to fill the house means that it occupies space. But they were filled, meaning they were furnished. They were equipped. They were supplied. They were ready to be imbued or permeated. Example, you can be in a house with, that's full of people, that's filled with people, right? But it not be filled with love. So it has people in the house. But I can't get anything from that. They're just there. That's why they say you can have a whole lot of people around you and still be lonely. Because it, you can, your life can be filled with people, but they're not supplying you. They're not furnishing you. And so it looks just like this. The, the scripture says that when the spirit came, it filled the bottle, the jar with the, the liquid. And now everybody in the room was filled with the presence. Now, we're looking at this right now. You see the jar of pickles. You can see the liquid clearly. The jar is filled, occupied, but the pickles are surrounded by it. Anybody lost? Okay. This is how it looks. Because when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we get presence and we get angels, but 
The next thing we have to do is give our will. The next thing we have to do is give our will. Because until we give our will, none of this in here can come inside of you. And how was these pickles created? They sat there. <laughs> they stayed there until they were full. How is a pickle created? Through cucumbers. When you first put the cucumber in there, it's not a pickle. It's a cucumber. It is the process of sitting there, staying there, in which you are imbued, meaning permeated, that converts what was a cucumber into a pickle. Why? Because the goal is baptism. The goal is to be baptized in the spirit. It's not to be touched with the spirit. It's not to feel the spirit. He wants us to live there. So the goal is baptism. He said, on the day of Pentecost, that they received, their power was received when the Spirit came upon them. It filled the house, it rested on them, and they were filled. But the promise was baptism. The promise was not for the Spirit to come upon you. It was not for, the, for it to fill the house. It was not for it just to rest on them. The promise was for it to get inside of you. That's why the Bible says that the Spirit is with you and it will be in you. Did y'all read that? I know we take that all out of context. Because <laughs> we think it means that the Spirit is with us, and then once we accept Jesus Christ, the Spirit comes with it. No. You have to sit in the presence and allow yourself to be raised. This is how, this is how sonship works. You stay in, that, in the presence until it fully fills you all the way up to the point, if I took this pickle out right now and I cut it open, what will come out of it? What's in the thing? However, if I took a cucumber and put it in there, even overnight, I'll come back, I'll cut it, it'll still be dry as a bone. Because the purpose is for you to sit there, stay there until it is inside of you. Amen? Amen. The goal is baptism. Acts 2. Verse 17. Now, we talked about him saying he, we see how the spirit got into the house. It came from heaven, right? It filled all the house. They spoke in tongues and then they were filled. Verse 17 says, and it will be in the last days, God says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, this was prophecy. And Peter was preaching, saying that what Joel said would happen has happened here right now. So the day of Pentecost was not him just pouring out the spirit on 120 people in one place. It was a time where he poured his spirit out on all flesh. It's poured out on all flesh. That's why I tell y'all that Satan is not the opposite of the father. Satan is not the opposite of the son. Satan is the opposite of the Holy Spirit. Presence and demonic angels. You get to decide which one you want to live in. 
Focus. I need y'all paying attention to me, nothing else. Because you're going to miss something. Satan is not the opposite of the Father or the Son. He's the opposite of the Holy Spirit. Presence and angels, that's what the Holy Spirit is. In the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of darkness, he's presence and demonic angels. He's the prince of the power of the air. The same way the angels come to minister to you who are heirs of salvation, he comes to minister to you out your salvation and out of your inheritance. And you get to decide by your will which presence you want to live in. This is why the Bible says, be angry, but sin not. Well, how do we get from angry to sin? Because the moment you get in anger, anger Satan has permission to minister. Okay, let me say that again, because I think I hit somebody in their ribs. The moment you get in anger, wrath, the, low, the moment your character shifts to being malicious, you give the, the devil permission, him and his demonic army, to minister to you. And he can minister to you, and you can receive it to the point where you carry his presence. You've done it before, haven't you? I've done it. In the same way, because you are a child of God, you can get in the presence of the Holy Spirit and angels can minister to you just like they did Jesus. So he says, and it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. So it's available right now for all people. He's here. It's available right now for all people. That's why the Bible says that gifts and callings, they come without repentance. Because the spirit is here. People can access it. That's why it says then that um, then your sons and your and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. That's the reason why you can take somebody who has a prophetic gift and they can become a psychic. Because the realm is available. The ram is available. That's why you can take somebody who should be a prophet in the Father's kingdom and now they're clairvoyant. <laughs> now they're reading tarot cards. Forget the scriptures. So it says, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. So he was speaking about the church. Our sons and our daughters will prophesy, but it's some other sons and daughters that won't prophesy. He said, your young men will see visions, meaning they will be able to see things that they are supposed to accomplish before they die. Without the realm of the spirit, without the Holy Spirit, without the presence, him pouring it out, they can't see that. They are blind. The moment that Adam sinned, you notice they never talked again about vision. The moment they fell out of the Father's grace, it was never about predestined purpose. It was all about the prophetic and us getting back into the grace of the Father. So once Adam fell, they had to wait all the way to Jesus died on the cross to live in Eden again. Because that's all Eden was. Eden was just presence. 
It was a garden. It was a place where he planted us. He put spirit hovering over us. And he said, y'all grow right here by, by directly connecting yourself with me. That's why the Holy Spirit is simply an inner realm connection. That whenever you're in the spirit, you're in the kingdom of heaven. You're connected directly to it. And Satan's job is to pull you out of that because he doesn't want you to bind and loose his kingdom. That's why Jesus said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. How are you going to do that? Better yet, what are the keys? Watch this. Practice in righteousness. As long as you practice righteousness, you can live in this realm, and to the degree you live in this realm, you can bind and loose. You can't be full of sin, and I rebuke the devil. How are you going to do that? You're walking in his presence. You're always angry. You're always depressed. You're always mad. I bind you, Satan. <laughs> no, you can't bind him. You're in his presence. You're worshiping him. So the only way, this is why he tries to get us, this, if you look at the scriptures and you look at sin, you never see inanimate objects. It's never about drugs and alcohol. That's not in the scripture. It's never about that. It's never about cigarettes and going to the clubs. It's never about that stuff. It's always about wrath, anger, malice, deceit, things that associate with your soul, things that your will have a control over. And the more that you tune into his spirit, this is you. The goal is what? Is baptism. Verse 18, he said, I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. So he's going to pour it out on all, but then he will also pour out some on his servants. And that's where we get the fivefold ministry from. That's where we get anointing from. Because anointing is only for service. People be thinking they're anointed and they ain't serving. No. Okay, I'm sorry. How are you anointed and you're not serving? What it is, they tapped into a gift. And they think the gift is the anointing. It's not. It's a gift. You go to a Luther Vandross concert, you'll feel them same goosebumps. Am I lying? You feel it raise them on your neck. Because it's something about the gift and it's something about when Father pours something into someone that it gets your attention. Whenever he pours something into you, you become a miracle sign and a wonder. So, in this example, I'm about to close. <laughs> the jar is the house or it's earth. All right. This pickle juice represents the Holy Spirit. The pickles in there represent you, me, or just say us. Because he wants to baptize each one of us individually, but he ultimately wants to baptize all of us. This is what he wants our church looking like. This is what he wants the church looking like. But the problem is we got too many people hopping out. <laughs> this is what he wants the church to look like. 
Now, now, the goal is baptism, right? Okay. So, this cucumber represents the nepios. All right? It is how sonship is worked. This is how sonship is worked in us. By staying in his presence. Amen? By staying in his presence. Please don't. So, now, this cucumber represents the nepios. It's the born again believer. This is how sonship works, okay? You have to stay in his presence or his household. The Holy Spirit is with you. It is with you, but it will be in you. Thank you, Terry, for reminding me that you can't see. <laughs> so the Bible says that he poured out his spirit. This is what this represents. All right. And this is your arena. This is your environment. This is your personal space. All right. Now. We're going to put that in there. Now, what's the goal? Baptism. All right. Now, in the pouring, the pouring was the pouring out of an entire world that we were supposed to function in. The world that he was pouring out was for us to function in was a world that would oppose the kingdom of darkness. Because you have a decision. You can even live in his presence or you can live in the presence of Satan, even as a child of God. It's too many mad Christians. It's too many mad, impatient, no love. Why is that? Because we aren't sitting here. We're standing saying, I was, uh, uh, um, I speak in tongues. It don't matter how much you pray in tongues. If you're doing it angry, mad with the wrong heart. Now, this represents baptism into his world. Baptism into his kingdom, baptism into his holiness. That's why it is called the Holy Spirit. Because it is opposing the demonic spirit, because you can be baptized in a demonic spirit. That's why you see these guys, they, they didn't did it to the utmost. Now they put their own horns on now. Say they even got horns. <laughs> Satan doesn't even have horns. The baptism positions us in eternity as an inner realm connection to the kingdom of heaven. So when we're in his presence, it is as if we are in the kingdom of God, we are in his presence and we are connected to his world. In his presence, we are in eternity. That's why the Bible tells us you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is why we have eternal life. But it is only to the degree that you stay there. Now, the goal is baptism. The goal is for us to be submerged in his presence for the purpose of revealing the kingdom and working all things in us. So the purpose of us being here in the presence and every day communing and fellowshipping with the presence. The day you miss fellowshipping with the presence is a day where the, where, where the father, the son and the kingdom is not being poured into you. And then on the other part of it, Whatever you are submerging yourself in is what's building you up.
Now, this is why the Bible says that we are sealed to the day of redemption. That's how that looks. This should be each and every one of our lives. When we come to church, this should become us. This should be our, our individual life. You can live here all day sealed. Nothing can get in, nothing can get out. That's why you have to protect your anointing. Now, this only happens if you value his presence. In order for this to happen, you have to value his presence. This is how the anointing works. All right? The anointing only operates and functions under mantles. Y'all with me? It only functions under mantles. The mantle is the assignment. What is the assignment of this ministry? To reveal the truth and intentions of God as a father, to reveal the father's heart, to reveal the father, however you want to say it. But our mantle, the mantle that is on me, that is on this ministry, is to reveal the truest intentions of God as a father. So everything that we teach is under the assignment of that. Now, the anointing operates under the mantle because the anointing is only for service. There is no individual anointings. And prophets got this bad. <laughs> There's no individual anointings. The anointing you have is under the mantle for the work of service. Now, the thing I just learned about anointing that I didn't know that I have been miserably failing at is that the anointing has to be managed and maintained and maintenance. I did not know that. I pray in tongues, pray in tongues, pray in tongues, and and people will pull it right out of me before I got to church. The anointing needs to be maintenance. It needs to be managed. It needs to be maintained. You don't need to pray in tongues, pray in tongues, and then spend your time on Facebook. Spend your time on Instagram. It's going to drain it. Build up your anointing. Spend your time arguing with people. I will pray in tongues, pray in tongues, build myself up, study. I'm in the word and then spend my time trying to pull people, keep people in the church who are going to leave anyway. This is why Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine. A thing that you spend all your time building up, building up, building up. And then you give it to someone who's going to trample it under their feet. They're going to throw it away. And then the moment you get weak, because it drains you. Every conversation you have as a child of God pulls anointing out of you. Every conversation, it pulls anointing out of you. And as a leader, the moment people pull the anointing out of you, you know what they do? They do three things. First, they leave. Why? Because they feel like they didn't pull everything out of you. Second thing they do is they talk about you. Because now that you built them up, pulled everything out of them, they got something to say because they think that they're on your level now. Then the third thing they do is they start to compete. I'm just as anointed as it. No, you're not. You want to know if you're anointed? This is how you know. Because the anointing destroys yokes, right? How many yokes have you destroyed off people? 
You want to know if you're anointed? Have you destroyed the yoke off yourself? <laughs> if you want to know if you're anointed, just look. And now, I'm not advising you to do this, okay, because it's prideful for you to look around and, and say you are more anointed than somebody. Anointing is for service. If you want to know if you're anointed, look at your resume of servitude. If you want to know if you're called, look at your responsibility. Look what the Father can trust you with. If you want to know if you're chosen, look at the assignment that he gave you. If you want to know if you're a leader, look who's following. There's no need to compete. <laughs> We're all under the same mantle doing the same job. But you have to learn how to protect your anointing. Don't wait. It ain't, everybody ain't worth your anointing. I know we want to use the 99, you know, and, and, and leave and go get one. But no, that ain't your job. That's his job. That's the father's job. Your job is not to die on the cross for nobody. You know why? Because you are not anointed to do that. Now. To get here and remain here, there's a price that must be paid. There's a price that must be paid. To stay here until it is worked in us, there's a price that you have to pay. Because it is Satan's job and his entire army, it is their job to pull you out. His glory cost. Let me finish my analogy, okay? So there's a mantle and then there's anointing to the degree that you are able to maintenance and manage your anointing, it becomes presence. Okay? To the degree that you are able to maintenance and manage the anointing that the Father has placed on your life, which is done by praying in tongues, which is done by studying and keeping your spirit in tune with him. To the degree that you are able to do this, it becomes presence. And presence expands. So the whole purpose of, of Satan throwing his little darts, sending his little imps, is to drain your anointing so your anointing never becomes presence. Because once it becomes presence, people follow you. They don't know why. It's just something about you. When you talk and you say something, it just does something to my soul. It's presence. And to the degree that you maintenance and manage presence, it becomes glory. And when it becomes glory, that's when it hovers. That's when it rests. That's why when Jesus got baptized, the Bible said that the spirit came upon him in bodily form and it rested. And the father said, this is my son who I am well pleased with. Because once it becomes glory, people can't miss you. That's why Bishop Oyedipo is attracting people out. His discipline. It's the discipline. It is the discipline. The man sat in the woods for three days 
raining, pouring, snakes slithering past him. He would not move from that place, praying in tongues. It's a price. You know y'all see a snake. Y'all see a spider. Some of y'all see an ant. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it cost. When we say fast, we mean fast. We're trying to get your weight up. We're trying to get your weight up to the degree that you maintenance your anointing and you maintenance the presence, it becomes glory. And the Father wants all of us to carry his weight and glory. But the same Jesus sent to the wilderness, the Spirit sent him to the wilderness. The Spirit said, go fast for 40 days. Don't eat no bread, don't drink no water. The Bible said that Satan came after that. To the degree that you maintenance it. But this is what the father wants us. This is where he wants us to be. Now, how will we look if all of us was baptized like this? How will we look if all of us carried this presence everywhere we went? The kingdom of God is in you is with you. The spirit is with you. But is it in you? That's not a good. Is it in you? OK, is it in you? Is it in you? If you open this pickle, everything that is in this pickle is in that jar. Now. If we take this off and cut it, what's in it? Nothing, 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 nothing. Why? Because it has not sat there long enough. Your job is to stay in the presence until it changes everything in you. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because we think that the moment the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that we're the pickle. No, you're the cucumber. He's still trying to work it in you. His love, his peace, his patience, his joy, his gifts, his talent. He's trying to work it in us. Amen. Amen. Let us stand.